It's the Bartender Journey Podcast, episode number 68, where the podcast talks all about bartending. I'm Vince, and today I have a great interview with an awesome gentleman. He is Jörg Meyer. He owns two bars in Hamburg, Germany. One is Le Lion Bar de Paris. The other is the Boilerman Bar. Le Lion Bar won the best new bar in the world at Tales of the Cocktail in 2008. Last year, Le Lion was on the list of best 50 bars in the world by Drinks International Magazine. He travels around the world training bartenders, and when I spoke to him via Skype, he was actually in Moscow to judge an international bartending competition that's run by Bacardi. We got in contact with Mr. Meyer when he posted some very kind words about the Bartender Journey podcast on his blog. And his blog is, I'll spell it out for you, J-R-G-M-Y-R.com. And uh, I had such a great time speaking with Mr. Meyer, and I'm very excited for you all to hear it. So here we go. Hey, Vince. Mr. Meyer, how are you, sir? Oh, very good. Thank you very much. I am retiring a little bit from a very hot night in Moscow, but it's still good. <laughs> oh, really? Well, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Moscow. That's exciting. Yeah. That's you're, there for, you're there for a uh, cocktail event, is that correct? Yes. I'm here a judge on the global finals of the Bacardi Legacy. Wow. Well, how does how does well we should introduce you first of all, and please uh, please forgive me. I I will mispronounce your first name. Can you please? Uh, That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how what how how would you call it? Well, I mean, of course, it's George in English, but I'm sure you. That's, fine. That's nearly it. Yes, we call it York. Ah. You don't try it. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I'll mess it up for sure. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, you own um, is two two bars in Hamburg, is that correct? Uh, yes, I have two bars in Hamburg, yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. And uh, I see that your bar, Le Lion Bar de Paris, was ranked number 16 on the list of 50 best bars in the world, right along with the Dead Rabbit and PDT and a host of other very high-end bars. So that's very impressive. That was last year. And in 2008, it was selected as best bar in the world at Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah, I'm, I'm very good in bribing, you know. I, <laughs> How is that it? <laughs> I understand the bay, uh, the game. <laughs> you understand the game, right. Well, that's part of being in the bar business, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is indeed. <laughs> well, we were very honored when you posted about us on your blog and uh, had some very nice things to say about us, and we were, we really appreciated that. No, uh, I really like uh, your podcast, I have to say. I, I'm a big fan. I'm I'm following you now, so yeah, yeah you. I'm hunting you down. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's great. Yeah, I, I liked what you said. You know, it's uh, maybe things are focused a little too much on the drinks and a little not as much uh, as they should be on customer service and things like that. And uh, so uh, I couldn't agree more. And that that's always kind of been our philosophy, you know, right from the beginning, we were all about being, being a good bartender, not necessarily, uh, you know, making the highest end cocktail in the world. You know, I think that's always when I, when we come to the Lyon um, and we employ new bartenders, um, I always try to explain them, especially now when you have received a few like awards and people say oh this is a really good bar so we have new bartenders coming in and um, I try to explain them listen I, I want you to make very very good cocktails but we don't talk about it. it's right. like you know the cocktails must be good because we are high-end bar and we are very expensive in price so we expect our customers to pay lots of money for the drinks so they have to be good right but it's not, we don't make a special, you know, scene to, to show this. Like, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of, of good drinks and good bartending, but uh, I think the, the main important thing for bartender is different. It's, it's not, the drinks should be good, but it's not that you just always say, hey, look at me, I'm a good bartender. It's more about 
talking to the customers have experience not to deal with customers exactly it's a it's an entire experience for the guests it's not just about that drink it's about the the, the whole package right yes i and uh, I've said it on the podcast a couple of times. The, the very first time I went to uh, Employees Only, the famous bar in Manhattan, I just felt so welcome, and, and everything was just. But the lights were perfect, and the, and the music was just right, and the and the uh, bartender was just so welcoming. I, you know, he just made me feel feel so welcome, and, and you know that on, on top of the most amazing Manhattan I've ever had in my life. But but uh, that was almost like <laughs> secondary. See, I mean, look, I mean, the drink is not unimportant. I mean, you still remember that, but yes. I think you remember that more when the rest is cool. As you said, I mean, uh, I think it's very important. Atmosphere is a big, it's a big thing in, in, in a bar. Set up the right atmosphere. Right. I like what you said. Uh, your, your bar is uh, like a living room with a bar in it. Is it? Was it? Am I quoting that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So somewhere I said this at one some point. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's it's like you, you feel a little bit like coming to a very extensive living room with hey somebody put a bar in my living room. So that's cool. Right. Yeah. It's very small and intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, you mentioned uh, when you hire new bartenders. I'd love to hear more about what uh, what you consider to be a good bartender, and what you uh, you already mentioned a bit what you look for in a, in a bartender. But uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, yes, sure. So, um, a good bartender. I think the, the a very very important thing for me is experience, mm-hmm. which is tricky in the moment because we have lots of young bartenders. But the problem in Germany or maybe in Europe is that when you go beyond 30 years, you start thinking about, well, I'm still a bartender. It's not a respected job. You know, it's it's changing a little bit in the moment. So bartending has become more respected, but it used to be a very simple job. Right. So people stop bartending at one point often, which is a, a leak of experience for me because I like to employ older people with more experience. Ah, I like that. Because yes, for sure. Because I think you can you can easily be trained to make high end cocktails in a few weeks mm-hmm. if you're if you're a clever guy. Um, but experience, it's hard. To, I mean, you have to live that. You cannot train like how to treat people, uh, experience people. You know, you can read the people. You can read the atmosphere. If I can read, if so, if I open the door, or somebody rings the bell, we open the door, and you see the mood in his face in seconds, and you know how to handle them, and everybody has to be treated different. Exactly. And so, I, I always look for people who have high social skills, like being very kind, entertaining, they can talk good, at Dulio, it's a little bit important to speak at least English, a little bit fluent. Not bad like me, but a little bit better, hopefully. <laughs> I but think your English uh, is great. I do my best. I have a simultaneous uh, translator here on the other side. So. <laughs> no. Am I talking to a Google translator, actually? Uh, yes. <laughs> the voice. So, um, and for sure, I, I, I'm, to do good drinks, which is important, even if we don't talk about this public, um, you need to have a... I think it's a, like when you're a good sh- uh, chef... You need to have love for details. You need to, you know, you need to always go the extra mile. Like you have to make sure that this juice is fresh. You don't, you don't take the juice from the from the other day because, because you get a little bit like lazy. You know, mm-hmm. you always have to go the extra mile sure. to make sure that you serve a really great product. So your mise en place, you have to. That's a, it's a hard work. It's that's what's in the moment. Many people maybe don't, not many, but a few of the young bartenders don't get. It's like finally, it's it's dirty hands and hard work. And they expect it a little bit more like Jamie Oliver or what's the guy in, in the US? 
the famous cook on the TV. It's not Jamie. That's uh, your. Oh, there's so many now. But yeah, okay. Jamie, Jamie, Jamie's <laughs> yeah. famous here. In, uh, in yeah, I, I love Jamie. Don't get me wrong. So I think he's a really cool guy and a cool entertainer. But even he made his hands dirty uh, many years before he started to become a, a famous TV chef. Oh, yeah, I know. He's a hard worker. And, so uh, and next to all this, you need to, as a bartender, you need to, 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 I think you need to love people. I mean, you serve them and you should serve them late at night and you should open the door at two o'clock at night and be friendly and be welcoming. And if, you, if your mindset is a little bit like a root, maybe that will not work out if you're too, you need, you need to serve people. Yeah. That's true. You, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on in your day as a bartender. It matters. Uh, well, it's all about the guest. And, and if you have to put that aside, if you're, if you're having a bad day or whatever it is, you, you still stand there and smile and make them feel happy and welcome, you know, and glad that they're glad that they came in to see you. you know? Yes. I don't know if this is the right word. I think it's called in English modesty. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. So uh-huh. as the bartender, you always have to be do you say modest? Uh huh, modest, or you could say humble. Because finally, it's about the guest. You right. Know, it's it's his show. You can support, but he's the star. So oh, make yeah. him make make him be the star. And uh, I always love the fact when you guys talk about tips so much. Uh, mm-hmm. That the tips will roll in. I like that. So make him <laughs> start the tips roll in. Is that part of the uh, culture in Germany? Because I know in many places in Europe, it's not. Uh, you mean tipping? Yes. Um, so. In the high-end bars, especially in the, in the big major cities, it is important. So it's, it's very different where you go on the countryside. I think bartenders don't make lots of tips. Mm-hmm. But in, in, in the major cities, if you work in posh places or in, in good bars, that's the main part of your income. Yeah, oh, okay. But it's different from the U.S. So, you know, we have to employ people. We have to pay health insurance. We have to, it's, I think it's a very different system from the U.S., so there is a, a minimum standard we have to guarantee as a as a uh, employer, mm-hmm. but uh, still, I think the official payment is not that good. So tips is, is important. Yeah. Well, that's that's great that you have that in place. Actually, it's that's good for the bartender because uh, so much of the bartending world in our country is sort of underground and uh, you know uh, not no uh, benefits for sure, and uh, certainly getting benefits is. Extremely rare in, in our industry here in this in this country. Yeah, I mean, a tip. I think it's a great. When I, you know, I started. I was when I was nineteen. I finished my. It's like A levels, so I, I I was possible to go to university, but I decided not to do. So I, I started my apprenticeship as a waiter in a five star hotel here in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing you do when you start in a five star hotel, you start working as a bellboy. Okay. And I was coming from the countryside, like, you know, we have 400 people in our village, and now it's two and a half million, so that was a little bit different. And I easily understand after minutes or after days that tip is very interesting in this industry. I've never heard about this before, coming from <laughs> the countryside, but working as a bellboy, I started to make 100 marks, that was Deutsche marks at this time, or a day. That was very unusual for me, like, whoa, oh, what's wow. going on here? I, I like this, I like this. <laughs> I'm in a good place. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it's sort of like uh, we've, we've said before on the show, it's, it's sort of like being in business for yourself because you're responsible for your own income at the end of the day. The more, you know, the better you treat your guests and the harder you work, the more money you're going to have at the end of the day. You're going to walk home with, with more. I mean, at the end, the owner can still, you know, make mistakes. So it's hard for you as an employee to maybe fight uh, for mistakes when the owner has some strange ideas. But in general, I think you can very much make your own income and 
make it better if you do a good job. That's right. Yeah, that's that's something that I've been running into lately is uh, having different ideas than the owner that I work for. <laughs> it's been, but there's there's plenty of room for improvement, and the owners are pretty stubborn, and uh, so it's it's you know it's frustrating because I have so many different ideas of my own. And uh, dear owners, support Vince, please. Listen to this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they they don't listen, you know. That, that's that's sort of one of the reasons we're a little vague about where we work and stuff, so we can talk more freely and uh, honestly, you know. Yeah, yeah no, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, have you had the opportunity to spend much time in America? Oh yes, I've been a few times. Yeah. So I've been a few times to New York, and I've been in, in the whole New England area, like Boston, and a few cities. I've been to California, like LA, San Francisco, Vegas for sure. I hated it, I have to say. Um, <laughs> Miami, uh, Puerto Rico, for sure. I was at Bacali once. So I've been to a few places in America a few times. So, so I was wondering um, what what similarities and what differences you see in, in this cartel uh, revolution in, in between Europe and the United States. Hmm. So, I mean, there are many similarities. I think I've, for me still like, I think we always have or we used to have two major hubs for cocktail culture. One is New York and one is London, in my mm-hmm. opinion, used right. to be. Uh, they are the, the liquid capitals of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so I always, I mean, for example, I, I before I opened uh, Le Lyon, I run a very small bar just for two years. It was called Le Bon Lyon. It was very small. Mm-hmm. And before that, I was on the countryside. There was like 2004. I worked two years not in Hamburg and did something else like consulting. And uh, that was a little bit boring on the countryside. So I always laughed at the evening to check you know the internet for some new bar things and there was lots of things from New York in. and I started to read about something called Milk and Honey in New York Yeah, and I think it was in 2003 and about a very interesting person which is Sasha Petrovska mm-hmm. and I really I for one year because the countryside was very boring so <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I hunted down everything on this bar because I, I so much liked the story so that that was also a big influence for me for for Le Lyon or for or lots of these movements like the things in, in from Ori Saunders with the Bimman Bar and Data Groff and all these happening in two three two thousand four two thousand five that have been big inspiration for me also opening Le Lyon mm-hmm. so that's why I needed to go there in two thousand four two thousand five and look and check and check drinks and check bars and. So I checked lots of bars in New York often and had lots of drinks and uh, there was many, many inspiration for me, which I brought over to, to my place in, in Hamburg. Because um, I think the interesting thing in the, the, the US is that the gap between high-end bars and the regular bars are so big. Yeah. You have these extremely hardcore, super cool cocktail lounges bars Right. The other sides, you have these strange restaurants where the water always tastes like chlorine. The ice <laughs> tastes like chlorine. I never, every time I come to New York, I have to get rid of this chlorine taste. We don't, <laughs> don't know this in Europe. And uh, all the drinks are not, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. On one side, it's super cool and, and hardcore, very good. And on the other side, you have some, some very simple things which I don't enjoy. <laughs> Well, we call that the uh, dive bar, and that's uh, sort of a... Hey, well, my second bar is called uh, the Boilerman Bar. I, we, we call that a dive bar, but I think a dive bar can be a very cool place. Right. It's just, it, it, I think dive bar is a very cool atmosphere to hang up and 
to hang around, but still you can enjoy a good drink. Right. Maybe I, I wouldn't call it a dive bar, but yeah. Yeah, but you still want your dive bar to be sort of clean and you don't want to be worried about drinking out of the glass that maybe didn't get cleaned properly or whatever, right? Toilet and yeah, yeah that's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was I was walking around uh, Alphabet City the other day, and there was there was a bar, it's, and uh, you know they put the chalkboard out front to try to entice people. You know, it's a beautiful Friday afternoon at five thirty in the afternoon or something, and every bar is trying to entice people in one way or another. And this one bar says, "Even you can afford to drink here." <laughs> I don't know if this is serious advertisement. I'm not sure if I would go there. <laughs> I stopped in and had one. It was kind of a mistake, but it, you know, could, could you afford it? Yeah, it was good. Was, yeah, uh, well, I mean. A, you you know, affording a, a bourbon on the rocks in Manhattan, you know, you're still talking about $12 at an affordable bar, you know. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, there were nice people in there. The bartender was pretty grouchy, sort of this grouchy hipster that's, that stayed to himself, you know. But <laughs> Mustache suspenders, all this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, silly mustache. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but what I like on New York also, uh, I think this is very, very unusual. I think, I mean, America has, I mean, it's the birthplace of cocktail culture. And you just have different attitude from the, custu- uh, from the consumer because it's very natural to order Manhattan or Martini. Mm-hmm. Even if they are now used to teenies, which is like some fruity vodka things yeah. in most of the places. But still, it's very common to enjoy cocktails. And this is very unusual for Europe in general because next to maybe London, there is not a big, you know, like... It, it, it never have been a big thing to, to enjoy cocktails. Right. So this is becoming now. It's it's very very big in Germany. It's, it's becoming really huge, which I appreciate as I own of two bars. Yeah. Um. But the funny thing, I I'm a little bit jealous sometimes um, <laughs> when I come to New York because I mean a bar is the place of the atmosphere, the drinks, the bartender, but at least the guest. I mean, guest is a very important part of the atmosphere, and you just have so many people who like to enjoy cocktails that used to be very unusual even if we opened Le Lyon seven years ago so the, the first three years of Le Lyon was a financial disaster mm-hmm. I, was, I, was, I was always nearly bankrupt every time mm-hmm. and then it became better and better after time so we find more and more people who enjoyed us and, and liked us and now it's very very successful and very crowded and great do you find that you, you um, actually have to educate the the population sort of to uh, to enjoy high, higher end spirits and uh, get them it's away? A from bit, I think it's a mixture. On one side, you I think it's tricky if you say educate because it's a little bit from from the top. And normally, you know, mm-hmm. we serve our cust- our guests. We shouldn't go from top and say, "Hey, we educate you." Mm-hmm. For sure, we inspire them. On the other side. You have these changed in like craft beer and good food, and there's a big interest in, in food and drinks in general, I think, and mm-hmm. that has changed in, in Germany and in Europe as well. So I think it's just time now that people also concentrate on, on good drinks because, for example, wine used to be always a super important thing for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's always very cool if you can. You know, if you're on a table with your business partner, then you know about wine. You can right. show off a little bit. But I think now now cocktails is a new show-off, you know, because everybody has talked so much things about wine. So now it's the next step. We have to talk about something different. Yeah. Maybe it's cocktails. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe educates the wrong word. I, I was thinking more from a marketing point of view that you want to expose the the population to this new uh, movement and uh, convince them that this is something they should come in and try. I agree. Yeah. The the interesting thing is, 
so we at Le Lyon we started like nearly seven years ago, and um, in the beginning, you know, we we just we serve very simple drinks. We just make classic cocktails, and the interesting thing is we make them classic. We don't twist them. We don't, you know, mm-hmm. we just choose. For a gin fizz, for example, a silver gin fizz, we, we check out very much gins and then we know, okay, if we do this with just this gin, we change the amount of gin because then all of a sudden this will have a floral taste or this will become like green and grassy and different taste. And if you use just this gin, it's different. You maybe also change the recipe. for. So this is our style, you know, it's very simple. Just find the right ingredients and make a good drink and people are impressed by, oh, that's very unusual. What is it? And you say it's just a gin fizz, but it's it can be so different with the product you use. Right. So, uh, our idea was always to have very simple drinks, uh, but high end. And the interesting thing is, you know, our customers they grow with us and um, they become very educated. So in the beginning, we were the winners. Like we couldn't tell them ten different gins and how they taste, and they were like, "Man, you have big knowledge." And after seven years, they have 50 gins at their home bar. Mm-hmm. And they tell us. Uh, so we have to be careful. We have to, you know, we have to catch up because consumers become extremely educated. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's interesting what you're saying about using high-end spirits with with uh, classic recipes. Because uh, I was at the Flatiron Lounge the, the other day. Uh, oh, I love is, Yeah, it's nice. It's great. And uh, I, I had a uh, brown derby. And I said, wow, this is, this is great. And... Uh, and I was in a conversation with somebody else, and then all of a sudden I turned to the bartender and I said, "But what kind of bourbon are we drinking here, by the way, in, in our brown derby? And he said, oh, it's a Willett 12-year-old. That's our house bourbon. I was like, that's your house bourbon? Willett 12-year-old? Jeez. My God. <laughs> I said, no wonder it's so good. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that is on one side, we have a very high percentage in our buying costs at right. Lulio because we use extreme expensive exp- um, ingredients. Mm-hmm. And we have a very high, you know, um, cost for for staff for, for because we employ lots of people because we want to make you feel comfortable. So it's we can seat fifty people maximum, and it's always like five to six people work at night. Sometimes seven, mm-hmm. seven is much, but six to seven. So because we want people not 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 to wait too long, and somebody's taking the calls, and everybody should everything should be perfect. So right. that well, that was tricky in the beginning because we had lots of stuff and we used very expensive products. Which your margin percentage wise change? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so your margin is like thirty-five to forty percent, which is horrible normally for a bar. Yeah. But so your 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 buying cost in our bar is thirty-five to forty percent, and normally a hotel bar is like seventeen or fifteen or mm-hmm. so. That is changing the game a little bit. But on the other side, this is my POS. I mean, this is why people come to us because they think it's expensive, but you get lots of value for your money. Yeah, when you think about what you're getting, you know, actually, you know, fifteen dollars for that cocktail is really not that much. When you think of it, that that bottle of Willet, that's it. That bottle of Willet there's, is there's uh, a guy eighty dollars or something. Some some simple bourbon. Yeah, and his margin is like you know his margin is like he will have like twelve percent of buying costs, and the other bar has like forty. Uh, right. Oh, I know. And then I was looking around the Flatiron Lounge at, at all the. Uh, you mentioned the word mise en place for for anyone who doesn't know. That's your um, preparation, all your juices, and everything. Uh, everything in place, I think, is the literal translation. Everything yeah, in have, place. Do you know? Have you heard about a gentleman called Angus Winchester? No. Uh, you have to look down for him. He's amazing. Look, check him out on Facebook or Twitter. He's a global brand ambassador for Tanqueray Gin. Okay. And he always says it's the five P's. It's mm-hmm. 
proper preparation prevents poor performance. So mm. very, that's the mise en place five piece like that. Okay. Well, I will definitely look him up. But uh, the point I was getting to was the mise en place was so uh, elaborate at the Flatiron Lounge that that's cutting into their profit as well. You know, all of these fresh juices. I mean, there, there must have been 20 fresh juices on the bar, you know. Yeah. And, and you I, throw them away, if, at least a few of them at the end of them. That's what I was thinking. I, I said, they're not going to go through all of that stuff tonight, you know. So that's 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 eating into the profit quite a bit, you know. Not to mention the overhead, you know, in, in the Flatiron District of Manhattan. You know, so when you think about it, fifteen dollars seems like a lot for a cocktail, but it's it's almost a bargain, you know, considering what you're getting there. But I think that is one of the core values for a good bar. Is the main if you run a bar, the main thing is value for money from the customer side. Mm-hmm. If the consumer have the the feeling that he's treated well and he gets lots for his money, nobody ever told me that we are expensive. Everybody says, okay, your prices are high, but it's fair. Right. And I think this is a good. As a as a customer, as an owner, it's a good feeling to say, okay, they like it. Right. Yeah. When you when you go away from a great bar, you never say that was expensive. If you go away from a lousy experience and spent a lot of money, you might say that was expensive, or I spent, you know, that that was money not well spent. But I think uh, if if you have a great time, you know, and and you get you feel that you're getting uh, quality for your money, it makes a big difference. So I think so. Yeah. Um, great. Can I, I ask you to pause just one second? My my dog is scratching at the door here, and it's going to make. I like the fact that sometimes the dog is in your show. I love that to death. <laughs> yeah, well, now I have two dogs. Double the noise. <laughs> and you should give them drinks name or bartender's yeah. name. <laughs> That'd be a good idea. <laughs> that salty dog or whatever. Right, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, no, but um, so we were talking about the, um, the the evolution of the cocktail movement. I, I just think it's interesting that um, you know in America we had the prohibition, which just sent the whole industry for a loop, you know. But you didn't have that in Europe. So, uh, but it's interesting that we're having yeah, sort we of this parallel. There. What's that? <laughs> we are coming there. Really? <laughs> no, but you see. I mean, there are more models. I just uh, hear the funny thing when you go for something like here, the, the Bacardi Legacy, you have people coming from all over the world. And, and yesterday I had to talk to people in Sydney. He just, for example, told me that the, the law is getting crazy there. So people are not allowed to have drinks after one. And the bartenders now have always after, I think, midnight, you have to make 15 minutes in an hour. You're not allowed to serve alcohol, just water. Oh, boy. And it's very strange laws they did. In Germany, is not that big. We have just a few areas where, when there's a big nightlife area, for example, Hamburg has the biggest nightlife area. It's called Reeperbahn, which is, I think, it's the biggest in Europe. Mm. And um, there we have some special laws because you know too many people were drinking on the street, so it's not anymore allowed. But in in general, you are allowed to consume alcohol all over. Mm-hmm. But also, we see. That it's you know that there are many politics, there are many discussion about banning it or make it more. You know, I think uh, the last legal drug. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so ingrained in the in the culture in all cultures uh, that I, we saw what a failure it was in America to completely ban it. Hey, I'm going to break in here. I spoke to Mr. Meyer for almost an hour, so I, I try to keep the podcast to about half an hour or so. So I'm going to break this up into two shows. So to hear the rest of our conversation, please tune in next week or subscribe on iTunes or however it is that you get your podcast. Make sure uh, you subscribe so it gets to your phone or your computer or whatever automatically as soon as it's available. So uh, go ahead and do that, please. And uh, while you're at it, and when you're on iTunes, give us some ratings. You can give us 
stars, five, I hope, if you would like to give us. And uh, you can also write a review there, and that helps us out a lot when you uh, write in to write nice things about us on iTunes. So, uh, yeah, we thank you guys for listening. Check out our website, bartenderjourney.weebly.com. And I will post some more information about Jorg Meyer uh, so you can find out a bit more about him. So, yeah, next week, uh, Manhattan Cocktail Classic News and the rest of my conversation with Jorg Meyer. You can get a hold of me at vince.bartender at gmail.com and on Twitter at Barkeep Tips. Cheers. Thanks for listening. 